because the clouds are heavy, the light is hard to see. And for our congregation and for many in this world, those dark, heavy sunrises are the reality of now. And yet they exist and we must believe. Let's pray. Lord, in the time when the sunrises are obvious and in the times when the sunrises are what we must believe in, be present and work through us for your will always. Amen. Amen. I want to start by reading Psalm 17, verse 6. I call on you, my God, and you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. Prayer is the focus of my message this morning. We read about it in many passages throughout the Bible. It is a topic that is central in the Christian walk. And today, instead of focusing on a singular passage, I'm going to walk through the concept of prayer using many different verses throughout the Bible. And maybe in that wide survey, we can find what we need in this time when the clouds are pressing in. First, I want to look at what God's role is in prayer. If we picture prayer as a conversation between us and God, what is God's role in it? Jeremiah 29:12 says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. God's central role in prayer is listening to us. He has his ears turned toward us, as the psalm earlier said. He wants to hear what we have to say. He is there constantly with that listening ear, and he is there because he loves us. He knows that we fail often. He knows that we fail even to believe often, but he loves us anyway, and through that love, he is there to listen. In prayer, he is also there to forgive. He wants to know that we are able to come to him, and he is always willing to forgive. We need but ask. So when we pray, we can picture our loving God leaning in and listening and loving us and offering forgiveness, knowing that we do not come to him in perfection with a sinless slate. We come with broken hearts, broken spirits, broken promises, and yet he is there to listen and forgive. And he delights in us in prayer. Our God wants to be with us in prayer. It is not some obligation like we might have at work, some hoop that we feel we need to jump through in order to retain our employment. That is not how God sees prayer. He delights in it, he anticipates it, and he misses us when we do not take the time to pray. And God guides us through our prayers. Sometimes his messages to us are loud and clear, 
in almost a voice that we hear, or sometimes it is a sensation, sometimes it is an easing of the heart, sometimes it is a subtle movement, and sometimes his response is silence. But he is always an active part of prayer. Charles Spurgeon says, if in prayer I come before the throne of grace, the faults of my prayer will be overlooked. Friends, God is not sitting and waiting to hear the most beautiful prayer in the most perfect words with the perfect cadence and a rhythm of all beauty. He wants us and any imperfections that we bring to our prayer, he will overlook through his grace. So if that is God's role in prayer, what is our role in prayer? Because again, picture the conversation between you and God. God is there with all that I just looked over here, that he is waiting for us. So what do we do in prayer? First Chronicles 16 verse 11 says this, Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Friends, our greatest role in prayer is to seek him. That we have evidence of his love all over in creation, all over in our lives, all over in the goodness, the blessing that he gives us. But when we sit down and we pray, we want to seek him. Pastor Jim Henry has a, a really good way of looking at four traits of a Christian's prayer life. And I found this very compelling as I was looking at it. As a Christian, we would want to pray regularly. So we want to incorporate the discipline of putting prayer in our lives. Discipline meaning that we have set ritual times when we pray or practices before something we always pray. We also offer ourselves to prayer all the time as well but to consciously choose to pray regularly, incorporating that in our lives as much as we would incorporate going for a walk or listening to music or following a sport or having coffee or whatever it is that we have regularly, prayer needs to be incorporated deliberately and intentionally in a regular pattern. We also need to be honest in our prayers. Friends, God already knows our hearts. He knows how we have succeeded and, oh, how we have failed. Going to him in anything less than honesty is not, is not purposeful, is not even sensible. He knows who we are. And if we go to him with an honest heart, confessing where we have failed, where we need him the most, what we have done and what we truly feel we need in our lives, that is the kind of honesty that we would want to bring to any conversation, especially the one with our Father. We want to be fervent as well in our prayer. Fervent means passionate. It means emotional. It means convicted. So when we pray, we don't want to do it as only some ritual. We don't want to do it as this mandated part of our day. We want to have a fervent, honest, passionate spirit we want to know that this is a time of communion between us and our Father, and we want that passion to flow through what we do and say in our prayer. And then we want to pray continually. 
Continually is different than regularly. Regularly means that it is intentional and it is part of our lives. Continually means that we should strive to incorporate prayer as part of everything that we do and say. When we are kind to somebody else, we are doing that not just out of compassion, but because we know that that kindness is an embodiment of the convicted prayer that is genuine and pure and honest. We should know that the walks that we take through nature are a way to continually pray, to be grateful for the creation that God has given us. So if we pray as regular, honest, fervent, continual prayers lifted to him, we will walk more truly in his light through our role of prayer. Soren Kierkegaard once said, prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. If we pray with all of the regular, honest, fervent, continual prayer, that we should strive to have in our lives, then we ourselves will be changed because our eyes will be on him and that conversation we are having with him. And with that focus, our prayer life will have made us better. And these things are easier to understand when we can see the sunrise. These things are clearer in our hearts when the clouds are not pressing in. These things are nicer and easier to contemplate when we are standing on a mountaintop rather than anchored in a dark valley. But friends, the truth is, when we pray, we sometimes have hard things to say in our prayers. Sometimes our words are not beautiful. Sometimes it is not roses and butterflies. Sometimes it is pain, and it is grief, and it is sorrow, and it is frustration, and it is loneliness. It is anguish. It is soul-wrenching separation from the God we wanted to be talking to in ease, comfort, honesty, and truth. Sometimes the pain that flows through us, feels too raw, too angry, too harsh, too broken in order to allow prayer to exist. Philippians 4, 6 says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Friends, every situation. It is easy to picture a conversation with God when we are surrounded by the bright glowing light of a sunrise. And sometimes it is actually next to impossible to picture it when we have only pain coating our words. Some go only to prayer in the hard times. You've probably been there, I've been there. That we neglect prayer when things are going well. 
But friends, God does not want just our presence in those hard times. He does want us there, but he wants us there always. And on the flip side of that, have you ever been in a situation where you hurt so much that you can't find the words to pray, and so you don't? In those times, friends, I can picture God waiting with a, with a look of openness and with a shared grief, with an awareness that we are so anchored in the words that are not pretty, but instead are ugly and hard, that we are not sharing those with him because in some way we are hurt badly enough that maybe God has forgotten us. Maybe this pain, this anger, this loss wouldn't have happened if God had remembered us. And so we keep ourselves separate from him in, when, in those times when our words are too harsh for what we believe prayer should be. God does not view it that way. God does not say, pray to me only when you can find the pretty words and the words of thanksgiving and the words of hope and faith and love. God says, come to me. Do we think that our God who created everything in this universe can't handle our anger and pain? Oh, we are wrong if that is where we are walking. It is okay to pray and say, God, I do not agree with what is happening in my life right now. I am angry. I am sore. I am afraid. I am broken. I am disappointed in you, God. Our God can handle those things. And friends, our God will not turn away. If we enter into a time of prayer that is full of anger and pain and grief, loss, separation, blame, loneliness, agony, if anything, our God will draw closer. Rick Warren is a, a very well-known pastor. He had a very successful career going way before what I'm about to share with you, which you probably already know if you know him. He spoke nationally, internationally. And then his son committed suicide. Can you imagine not just losing your flesh and blood to suicide, but being a pastor in the public spotlight, a pastor who preached forgiveness and love, a pastor who preached compassion and kindness. This is what Rick Warren has to say about the times when we are so overwrought with negative emotion that we don't pray. He says, God can handle, God can handle your doubt, anger, fear, grief, confusion, and questions. 
you can bring everything to him in prayer. Friends, if prayer is established as a way for us to converse with our God, the maker of all things, including sunrises, then we can come to him, even when our only words are words of pain, anger, loss, confusion, and doubt. Maybe especially in those times, that's when we should pray. And then, and then there are those times where pain is so deep that we don't have any words, none at all. We don't have those angry, hurt, confused words. We don't have those pretty, glowing, floating words. We have nothing. How do we pray in those times? Romans 8.26 says this, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groanings. Wordless groanings. Have you been there? Have you been so battered by life that you don't have words? That the wordless groanings of an agonized broken heart are your reality? Have you been so blindsided by the pain that this world brings that your words go away? My guess is you have. And we know, we know dear friends who are likely there right now. The beautiful, beautiful message of prayer is that when words are gone, God is not. He does not need our words to meet us in prayer. He does not need a language that human beings have invented to communicate in order to meet us in prayer. He is bigger than that. How can we assume that God does not look at us and sees our tears as the prayers that we are unable to speak? How can we guess that a father who has made us and knows everything about us, knows every hair on our head, does not know what we mean and what we need when we cannot speak in prayer? Picture again you sitting across from God, and he is waiting to hear from you. And your agony is so great that you cannot speak. Can we believe that he would turn away? Would you ever turn away from a friend in such desperate need 
know what we would do to our friends, to our loved ones, if they were weeping so much that they could not speak. We would lean in. We would wrap our arms around them. And we might cry with them. If we, as the broken and imperfect human beings that we are, would do that. Oh, how much more our loving Heavenly Father would do that. He will not turn away, even when we do not have the words to pray. Marian Anderson says that prayer begins where human capacity ends. When we, in our language, in our words, in our meanings, when we have nothing there but only tears and pain and anguish, Maybe that is the truest time of communion with God because nothing of our human capacity is left and there is room for our Father to lean in and hold us. So what do we do? What can we draw from this message and from prayer and from a sunrise that is not always visible? Psalm 141, 2 says this. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the raising up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Incense has a sweet smell that does not stay in one place. It spreads, it lifts, it pervades, it sinks in and it stays with us. And the raising of our hand, even without words, is prayer. Three things that we should do as we walk this prayer life. We should seek him. We should seek him always, even when we have not apparently found him. We should seek him by praying regularly and with conviction, but by also living a life with eyes wide open, looking for ways that God is responding to our prayers, even when that answer is not yes. We should also release when we pray, we should, we should release any sense of how prayer should be, of the ways that the words would weave themselves around, of what physical position we should be assuming during prayer. We should release any sense that we are not good enough, that we are too angry with God to speak to him, that we have no words because our tears are too large and full and drowning. We should release those expectations and then we should never cease, never cease. Be in continual prayer. That means looking to live a life where everything is a prayer, where every deed we do, every word we say, every tear that we weep, every hand we hold, every life we try to make better is a prayer. And always and everywhere, we do not need to just pray in church 
or around the dinner table, around the dinner table before a meal. Or we do not need to pray before the big game or before the big interview. We can pray always, everywhere. We can pray while walking through the aisles of the store, while listening to a siren tear down a street to some emergency. We can pray when we see a student leave our rooms with arms down and head down and shoulders bent. And when we see someone struggling who is walking into the house next to ours. We can pray when we know that somebody has experienced unspeakable loss. And we can pray when we ourselves are walking through what seems like endless corridors of pain. Saint Isaac the Syrian once said, the highest form of prayer is to stand silently in awe before God. The highest form of prayer is to stand silently in awe before God. If that is the highest form of prayer, then may our lives reflect that, not just in the words we put into our prayers, in the praying postures that we might assume, but in the very convicted need to seek to release and to never cease living in prayer. I want to close with a portion of a poem from Alfred Lord Tennyson. As you listen to these very old words, may they lead you closer to where you need to be in prayer. There is a place where thou canst touch the eyes of the blind man to instant perfect sight. There is a place where thou canst say, arise to dying captives bound in chains of night. There is a place where thou canst reach the store of hoarded gold and free it for the Lord. There is a place upon some distant shore where thou canst send the worker and the word. Where is this secret place? Dost thou ask where? Oh, soul, it is the secret place of prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we call on you, our God, for you will answer us. Turn your ear to us and hear our prayer always, everywhere, on the mountaintops, 
in the valleys, in the bright sunrises, and in those that are gray, in the desert and by the river. Let us pray.